We're reading this morning from Luke chapter 2. It can be found, if you'd like to follow it in the Bibles, on uh, page 1028, or you'll find it in your service sheets on page 6. Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 41. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they travelled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favour with God and man. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Heavenly Father, I just pray that your words will flow through me today, that you will speak to the hearts and minds of every single one of us here, that you will help us all to go deeper in love with you and challenge us to to live more fully for you. Amen. Amen. Now, I must confess, this is a passage I've never really thought about. You get to the end of the Christmas story, yay! You read this story, you go, anyway, and then you move on to the exciting stuff where Jesus is actually moved. So for me, it was a real challenge to suddenly have to sort of prepare to speak about this. And I must admit, I've always thought, you know, a little bit of a petulant child there, a bit mean to his mum and dad. But then again, I then thought about what I did to my mum and dad when I was a child and thought, yeah, I'm a bit hypocritical here. Um, and I also thought 12. I think about 12-year-olds at school. They're sort of year seven. They're about yay high and they're generally slightly irritating. And suddenly, why is this 12-year-old boy, what's special about him being 12? Why does this story, you go from he's a baby He's a fully grown man going off and saving us all. So why is this one little story about when he was 12 included? And apparently, um, I've quite enjoyed reading up on this, um, being a bit of a nerd. In the Jewish tradition, it was when a boy became a man. At the age of 12, that's when he became a son of the law. And at the age of 12, Jewish boys took the obligations of the law upon, upon themselves. Furthermore, it says in the passage that every year... Um, Jesus' family went up to Jerusalem for the Passover, this amazing festival where the Jewish people commemorate Jesus, well, God saving them from the angel of death, escape, um, leading them, that's the one I was after, leading them out of Egypt. So the Passover meat festival was a really important one for commemorating this. Now, in Jewish law, it says that if you live within 15 miles of Jerusalem, you're supposed to go to Jerusalem every year for the Passover. That's great. I did some research. Nazareth is 63.43 miles away from Jerusalem. So that is a heck of a trek. And it says in the passage, every single year, his family and his community went up to Jerusalem. They really went the extra mile. And I just 
Sometimes I'm slightly challenged. Do I go that extra mile for Jesus? Do I step out there and, yeah, do I really get out there and actually go that extra mile? Or do I just go, nah, the sofa's nicer. But that's a slight aside. So every year they would go up to Jerusalem. And 63 miles is a very long way if you're on foot with caravans and children and I would imagine a few donkeys because if you're going somewhere in the Middle East, you've got to have a donkey. Um, So they were there. And I can just imagine for Jesus, Jerusalem must have been so excited. The holy city, this sacred festival, magnificent temple, here to celebrate him becoming from a boy to a man. It must have been a really, really exciting time. Now, Mary and Joseph... You sometimes, well, no, this is probably me. This is a large part of this sermon is, is sort of the inner workings of my thoughts. I thought, ooh, you didn't have your son with you. Call social services. Who doesn't know where their children are most of the time? I can say this as I don't have children, and therefore it's much easier for me to be able to say, okay, Gwyneth clearly doesn't know where her children are at all times. <laughs> Jonty went that way. Um, but yes, yeah, so they weren't actually bad parents. Apparently, the tradition was that the women in the caravans would leave much earlier on in the day because they travelled slowly, and then the men would leave in the evening from the city and catch up the women who travelled very slowly at the encampment. So clearly, Mary was travelling along thinking, Jesus must be with Joseph, and Joseph was travelling along thinking, ah, Jesus must be with Mary. And I can't imagine that moment of blind panic. I'm sure if you're parents, you can feel it in the pit of your stomach, that absolute horror, where is my child? Colin and I took um, my nephew and niece to the cinema on Boxing Day, and we spent the entire time going, got one, two, okay, one, two. Spent the entire time counting that horror in their stomach of not knowing where their child was. (sighs) Yeah, and they would have gone back to the city, which had been so full of joy and festivities and amazingness, and suddenly they go back to the city by themselves, and suddenly it's dark, and it's big, and it's looming, and there are strangers they don't know, and there are dark alleys, and they have no idea what's happened to their son, and that just horror. Three days they searched for him. Three days! I can't even conceive that terror For three days of loss, three days of heartache, three days of anguish, possible accusations of the other, you should have had him, no, you should have had him. Three days of that city being big and menacing and looming and horrible. Those three days are a shadow of the three days, 21 years in the future. Those three days between Jesus' agonising death upon the cross before his rising again. The death of a criminal for a crime he had never committed. The death of a criminal for our crimes, for our sins, on his shoulders. And then the glorious and miraculous resurrection. Death defeated, the enemy vanquished, eternity procured for all who believe. Three days Mary and Joseph searched for their son was an echo of those eternal three days in the future. And then that moment of absolute relief. Yes, you can almost imagine the the, the giant knot in their stomach unravelling in just that moment. And I remember that years ago, I was skiing with my brother and I'd misplaced him. I was waiting for him and he clearly just, he'd got skied past because he does that. And I waited and I looked and I looked and I looked and I couldn't find him. I was getting crosser and crosser and more and more anxious. He was 18. 
Um, and I eventually found him at the train station in front of everybody. I was there going, how dare you, but I, I properly bawled him out in front of an entire train station. He still talks about it this day and is still mortifyingly embarrassed. And you can imagine Mary just instantly going, where were you? I think most parents probably, again, Gwyneth is nodding, this is reassuring for me, thank you, um, that accusation, what did you do? Which is the pent-up relief. And Jesus, so calm, didn't accept any blame. Of course I'd be in my father's house. Now, Mary must have had a giant notebook in her heart where she had been storing up all the things, his birth, the shepherds, the angels, the wise men and their gifts, all of the little things Jesus had been doing, she had been storing up in her heart. And this is going to be one of those big moments she writes down. Because this is the moment when he must have realised who he was. As a babe, he couldn't really, he's a baby, he can't fully know that he's the son of God, the saviour of the universe. As a toddler, it would make for a very interesting toddler, but I think this is probably one of the moments where he suddenly knew his true identity, a boy becoming man. Jesus suddenly, yeah, that revelation must have just been implanted. Where else would he want to be? You suddenly have that revelation of, you're the son of God. You're going to be, want to be as close to your heavenly father as possible. And the place to do that is the temple. And Mary Joseph must suddenly have stepped back and known he was never going to be their little boy anymore. He was God's own son. And he knew it. Jesus was very gentle but very firm, as he so often is for us, when he rebuked his parents. And for Joseph, it must have been so hard to hear his beloved son acknowledge and step into his true birthright as the son of God. Stepping into a role that it would have... Yes. I've no idea what I wrote there. Never mind. So, the temple. Now, I always originally, before I researched this, imagined a little precocious 12-year-old 12, 12 sat in the temple holding court and I have 12-year-old students at school who do that, and sadly, they usually draw a crowd. But actually, apparently, it was the tradition that the Sanhedrin around um, the time of Passover would meet in public in the temple courts to discuss. And in the presence of all who would listen, they would discuss real religious and theological questions. And Jesus was hearing and asking questions. Uh, which was what students did of their teachers. And that was what Jesus was doing. He was just listening. He was being as close to his heavenly father as he could. He was finding out as much as he could. He was asking questions. He was making comments. He was, yeah, just sharing insight. It's just boy becoming the man. This is an amazing passage where we see Jesus truly becoming who he was going to be. It's the, it is the big stepping stone from Jesus the baby that we've been celebrating this week, um, the month from the lead up to this week, the stepping stone to Jesus' ministry, which we're apparently looking at in January, which works very nicely. But what can we learn? Firstly, I was really struck, and particularly having been a very disobedient and obstructive child, and thankfully my dad is no longer here, so you can't ask him questions about me being a highly disobedient and obstructive child. Jesus had just discovered, he'd just realised that he is the only son of God. And he didn't look down on his humble and hard-working parents. He didn't lord it over them. He wasn't smug and a little bit supercilious. No, he went home and was obedient to them. 
Wow, I didn't even come close to that. Obedience is something that our society really looks down on. Our society doesn't value obedience. It's cool to be the rebel, to go your own way. You've probably got songs and adverts going around in your head about going your own way. Um, You've got to forge your own path, but Jesus didn't. Jesus honoured his mother and his earthly father. He was obedient. So any of you out here, if you've still got your parents living and mine's just headed home, it's honouring them, it's serving them, it's loving them just as Jesus did. But it's not just about being obedient to our earthly parents. Jesus is out living his obedience to his heavenly father and that's what we're called to do. Jesus was obedient to his heavenly father by being obedient to his earthly parents. He was loving them in action. And being obedient to Jesus, loving Jesus, is about getting out there and loving our neighbours. Not just the people who live in the house next door to us, but the people around us, our friends, our family, that anyone we come in contact with them. Loving them, serving them. The Christmas adverts this year have been very, very clever. It's no longer, what do you want? It's now about what you deserve. And so the adverts this year, it's, it's like, you deserve boss for men. Yeah. You deserve a giant colour TV. You definitely deserve an iPad. You deserve it. You know you deserve it. Go out there and you get yourself an iPad because you deserve That's what the adverts are doing. Jesus calls us to live in a way that is serving and obedient to God by giving and serving to other people in a way that they deserve to be treated. It's not about what we deserve. It's about living and loving the way that Jesus deserves to be lived and loved. And therefore by living and loving that for other people. Um, totally lost my place never a good thing yeah Jesus himself treated us Jesus sacrificed himself on a cross and I'm not saying we should all rush out and crucify ourselves because that's just yes messy Um, but to live to honour those people around us to put their needs before others that's what Jesus did by being obedient to his parents he went home and he loved them even though he was the son of God Secondly, if we sense that we've lost Jesus, if we suddenly have that moment to go, ooh, where is he? I don't, know, I don't know where he is in my life anymore. I feel far away from him. Look, seek for him. Don't just go, meh, sofa, which I must admit I have a tendency to do. If we don't feel like he's there as part of our, an integral part of our days, our weeks, our months, our jobs, our homes, our journeys, whatever... Do something about it. Search for him. Jesus promises that when we seek for him, we will always find him. He will be found. With finding Jesus comes peace, hope, joy beyond our understandings, which is just who doesn't want a life full of hope and peace and joy above all else? How do we do it? Good place to stay is start is to pray. Ask him back, Jesus, where are you? Show me where you are. Help me come closer to you. Sing songs of worship. It glorify his holy name. It lifts our eyes from ourselves to his holiness. And that's, of course, where he is. Pray, read the Bible. Just, yeah, seek him. So, we also must expect that if we do meet Jesus again, which we will if we want to, He's not always going to do and say what we expect him to say. And I have no doubt Mary and Joseph didn't expect the reaction they got from Jesus when they found him. But he is busy with his father's work and so should we be. So, 
to conclude. Let's search for God's own son, as Mary and Joseph did. Let's search for him in our lives, in the lives of those around us. Let's be loving and gentle as he was. Let us seek to know more of God as Jesus did in the temple. And let's be obedient to the work of the Father. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your example. Thank you for your love, for your servant-heartedness, for your kindness and for your obedience. Help us all to go deeper with you. Help us all to search for you and settle for nothing less than living for an audience of one. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Amen.